I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. My subject today is what do you know about Jesus? Now, it is beyond our intellectual capacity to accurately express the fullness of God. But today I would like to share with you what I believe I know about Jesus. When we think of Jesus, maybe we think about the baby Jesus in the nativity scene. Maybe we imagine the miracles of Jesus during his ministry, giving sight to the blind, healing the sick, or raising the dead. Or maybe the image of Jesus hanging on a cross comes to our minds. But I would like to share with you some things that can add to our reflective thoughts and our imagination on this subject of what do we know about Jesus. So a good starting place to launch this conversation would be this. First of all, we must be reminded that according to the Gospel of John, God is spirit. So as a Christian, I believe that God is the creator of the heavens and of the earth. God created the universe and God made everything out of nothing. And he spoke order into the chaos through his word, which we find in the creation story. God was pre-existent to all things. Before the creation of the universe, God was already in existence. God existed before time as we know it. So knowing that now is a good place to further share what I know about Jesus. Let me introduce another fundamental belief of the Christian faith tradition. And that would be what we refer to as the triune Godhead, the Trinity. You know that hymn that says, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. But I must admit discussions around the mystery of the Trinity certainly require more than the time constraints of a several minute uh, podcast. But I can say this, when we speak of the Trinity, we are referring to God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The most common argument that I hear against the Trinitarian construct of God is this. How can three gods exist in a monotheistic Abrahamic faith tradition? After all, monotheism declares that there is but one God and not many gods. So, as I attempt to bring a degree of clarity, let me say this. Christianity is a monotheistic tradition that believes in one God. 
The use of the term Trinity is not an attempt to articulate the existence of three gods. The Trinity has been described as God in three persons that make up one God. And in the Baptist tradition, it is stated this way. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, equal in every divine perfection and executing distinct but harmonious offices in the great work of redemption. So Jesus is the second person of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three are one. They are distinct offices and functions of one God. But yet, the three persons of the triune Godhead are inseparably joined together in an ineffable communion. And yes, this Trinitarian reality challenges the intellectual capacity of the human mind, and, 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 and it should, because God is greater than our ability to fully understand God. It has been said that we have a faith that seeks understanding. So, so far we have said that God the Father created us. Jesus the Son walked amongst us and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, amen? So also counterintuitive to human intellect. And in answer to this question, what do we know about Jesus? We know about his preexistence. I know that he was preexistent to any concept of time as we know it. He existed before you and I, before the Bible, before the church, before anything. The second person of the Godhead, Jesus, was pre-existent to theology and religion. He was in existence before the universe was formed. He existed before your struggle, and he certainly knows all about it. The Bible, in the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, verses 1 to 3, says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was there before the sun and the moon were placed in the sky and before the heavens were sprinkled with stars. There was never a moment in which the second person of the Godhead did not exist and all things were made through him even you and I. In Genesis, the very first chapter, the 26th verse, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what do we know about Jesus? Now we know about his pre-existence. We also know about his incarnation. So God, out of love for the world, 
humanity, his creation, God saw it fit to enter our struggle to bring the way of salvation. In response to a sinful humanity, the remedy was initiated and set in motion by the creator of all. He became flesh in the person of Jesus the Christ. God in the person of Jesus the Christ entered into our struggle. He entered into our suffering. It should come as no surprise that the one through whom all things were created would be the same one through whom God works out his plan for salvation. His, his coming was prophesied through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah, the seventh chapter, the 14th verse says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And as we read in the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, verses 26 to 38, which is referred to as Mary's Annunciation, The question becomes, why was this such a challenge to the early religious mind? Well, Jesus took on a body like ours, one that was able to die for our sin. Jesus was birthed in the flesh, clothed in humanity, yet without sin. It's important to pause and remember the virgin birth through Mary. This divine intervention, God entering into our struggle, was not to come through the reproductive efforts of a fallen humanity, but by the uninterrupted power and grace of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God would overshadow the woman who would conceive, carry, and deliver the only begotten Son of God. To further explore this point, I need to talk briefly about an early church controversy and a theological debate that still challenges minds today. When I say early church, I mean early fourth century. For in the days of the early church, there were those who rejected the idea of God coming in the flesh. Why? Because there were those who believed that the flesh is inherently evil, and therefore God, who is spirit, would never enter into the flesh of humanity. They were thematically opposed to divinity coming in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. There's a book, Who Do You Say I Am? An Introduction to Christology that informs the reader that the early church of the Council of Nicaea, in response to this great controversy, they gathered in great numbers and concluded with the decisive ruling that the Son, Jesus that is, is of one substance with the Father or the same substance at the Father. In another debate, 
the early church theologian Athanasius, who died in the year 373 AD, argued that the Son was of the same substance as the Father. He also faced another group that rejected the idea of coming of God coming in the flesh in the person of Jesus. This argument and debate didn't go away and still hasn't gone away. There was another council gathering. The ecumenical council gathered in Chalcedon in the year AD 451. There were, they say there were 520 bishops in attendance in Turkey. And they argued and debated this point in the face of public opinion. And they concluded that the divine and the human nature as being present in Jesus the Christ. According to this Chalcedon Council, Jesus Christ is fully divine and fully human. Their term to describe this union was and is the hypostatic union. Today we simply say that Jesus was all man, yet without sin, and all God. This point is critical to the core of our faith, and it also serves to remind us of this. If in the unity of the triune Godhead, we know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same essence, substance, being, then we must know that our claim to be filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit is saying that the same God who created the heavens and the earth is not only sovereign, transcendent and all powerful, but he is closer than near to us. He is actually within us. That's right. God, the all powerful God is within us. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Therefore, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. What do you know about Jesus? Well, God is in me. And that's what I know. I know about the ministry of Jesus. We talked about the pre-existence of Jesus. We talked about the, the incarnation of Jesus. We also know about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, entered into our struggle. And what did he do? He preached about the kingdom of God being at hand. He taught. He taught against those who believed that they had, had attained their righteousness through their knowledge of the law as opposed to what we believe, which is that righteousness being attained comes through faith in the gift of God, being Jesus the Christ. He taught about the way of salvation and how to live out this Christian faith tradition. Reading the book of Man Matthew, you will find that 
It is often referred to as, as the procedure manual for the church because it gives instruction on how to live out this Christian faith tradition. The early church was introduced to a way of life guided by the godly principles through the teachings of Jesus. As we look at his ministry, I also know that he was a miracle worker. And the miracles were a witness to the power of God and they captured the essence of the ministry of Jesus. He gave, he actually gave sight to the blind. He really healed the leper. He fed the hungry and raised the dead. Each of these miracle stories are a snapshot of the ministry of Jesus. And each one of them are lessons in and of themselves. He gave sight to those blinded by inadequate religious understanding and practice. He healed the afflicted and the marginalized, those who were rejected from society and the faith community. Through his feeding the poor, he demonstrated the providential care of God. He is our maker, our supplier, and he meets all our needs. By raising the dead, he showed us that he would reconcile those who were dead in sin back together with their Father in heaven. What else do I know about Jesus? I know that he suffered and died. He was arrested, detained, accused of false charges. And guess what? He's still falsely accused today of wrongdoing. Every bad thing that happens, some folk point to God and say, why did he allow it? But back then, he was spat upon. People spit on him. He was questioned by the religious authorities. He was struck on the face by the temple guards. They punched him in the face. He was brutally beat all night long. And he was forced along a road to a dusty hilltop called Calvary. And it was there that they nailed him to a cross in between two criminals. Imagine that, placing God between two criminals as though he were guilty of a crime. The Son of God was now being crucified by the humanity that he loved by the humanity that he created. But I also know about Jesus that love cried out from the cross when Jesus called out to God the Father asking for forgiveness for those who were nailing him to the cross, for those who live then and live now. I also know that he committed his spirit into the arms of God the Father. The Bible says the earth shook and the sky darkened and the veil of the temple, which separated man from the holy presence of God, was torn from the top down. Surely this was God's intervention. And surely the presence of God was now accessible 
to all of humanity through the atoning ministry of Jesus. The story doesn't end there. It says that they took him down from the cross and laid him in a borrowed tomb. What else do we know about Jesus? After he died on the cross, we know that he was resurrected. Early on Sunday morning, on the third day, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Death could not hold him. He lives, and the songwriter said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father. So what else do we know? We know that he's coming back again. So let me offer you a question, something for you to think about. We know that he's coming back again. So how does that shape the activities of our life? How does it impact our ministry? How does it affect what we do, knowing that he may come back at any moment? Well, we've been talking about what do you know about Jesus? And I've been sharing what I know and what I believe. I know about Jesus, but I can also tell you who he is not. He is not the one you put in a compartmentalized box and carry around in your back pocket to pull out when you need him to serve you. No, he's not that one. He's not the one that serves as a rubber stamp of approval to your supremacist, racist, perverted, and selfishly exclusive religious ideologies. He's not the one to shower you with financial blessings while you close your eyes to the suffering of the poor, while you ignore the deprivation and hunger around you. And he is not the one who closes his eyes to injustice. He is not the one who approves of one ethnicity over another. He doesn't honor black over white or white over black. The sacred lives of all people are embraced by the love of God. Let me tell you this. He is the one who will pull you up out of the quicksand of life's struggles. Sometimes the more we struggle and fight, the more this quicksand of life's struggles will swallow us up. But God will lift you up. He'll pick you up out of this quicksand and put your feet on a solid rock. He'll put a new song in your mouth, a a song of praise. He is the one. Yes, Jesus is the one who still intercedes on our behalf. He is our great high priest. 
His miracle working power is still at work today because of the shed blood of the Lamb of God. The way of salvation is attainable today as a free gift from God. The blood still works today. The songwriter said it like this. It reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power. While I'm talking about who he is, I must say that he is the one who says in Revelations, the third chapter in the 20th verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God wants us to open the door and leave it open. He, does, he doesn't just want to know you on Sunday morning. He wants to live within you. He is the one who wants to be your guide in the dark. He wants to be your healer, your provider, your power, your strength. The truth is, he is the one who loves you and cares for you. He knows all about your struggle. He knows about you t- your tomorrow. And for those of us who say, well, I know the Lord, I would say to you that he is the one who wants to be a bigger part of your life. He wants to take you higher and deeper into your relationship with God in service, in your service to him and others. I don't care how long you've been in the church. He wants to lift you. Just like a mother eagle teaching a baby eagle to fly above the storm. He wants to prosper you. He has plans to prosper you and give you a future. He is the one who wants you to slow down a little bit. In all of your busyness. And even in all the busyness of your religious activity. Don't miss the voice of God. That's right. Even in all of your church life and ministry practice, don't be so busy that you stop seeking and hearing from God. And if you feel like God is far from you and you're not hearing or feeling as though God hears your prayers, if when you pray all you think is what you're getting is silence from God, then listen closer. Listen to what you think is silence. And perhaps that silence will cause you to lean closer and hear the quiet voice of the Lord. And let the silence quiet us and disturb our complacency. In the midst of our silence, let our needs be touched and let our pride be broken. Let the silence shrink some of our certainties and enlarge our faithful inquiries. Jesus is the one who has come into this world in the person of Jesus the Christ, Savior, Messiah, Deliverer, Rescuer, our Healer. And he's coming back again. This is what a little bit 
of what I know about Jesus. You've been listening to Faith Talk, and I I certainly want to thank you for being part of our listening community. Our listening audience is growing day by day globally. I would encourage you to visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can register as a guest on the show. You can contact me directly by email or even leave me a voicemail. Thanks again for listening. I pray that this introductory level discussion on what do we know about Jesus is helpful. And I pray that it leads you to the appropriate response. God bless you. And I'll see you next time.